It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. This is Jobsolete. I'm Matt Beat. And I'm Helen Hong. And today we're talking about the town crier. Get it? Get it? Because we town okay. Yes, there are at least a dozen, maybe more, instances historically in Britain of town criers who have the job who were blind. Think about how you get the news today. It's inescapable, right? You get the news even when you're trying to avoid it. Now remember how folks got the news before the internet or before any mass communications. Now imagine going back further, back before even the printing press was invented in 1440. Well, in 1440, the majority of the world could not read. If you learned something new, someone told you something new. Well, as you could imagine, this could lead to lots of misinformation and just straight-up rumors being spread around. Who could you really trust regarding the latest market sale or beheading? So, hear ye, hear ye, gather around as today we learn loudly and clearly all about the town crier. I love that you posed that question, and now I'm like, yeah, who could you trust about the the latest beheading? <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I think it's like it's so interesting to think because you're right. We do take it for granted that everyone knows how to read. And, and today in our society, if you run into someone who is illiterate, it's very unusual. But there was a time not that long ago where, where lots of people didn't know how to read, right? Yeah. I actually have statistics on this. I knew you would. Yeah, I'm just going to pull them straight out of nowhere. No, I, this is, you can look this up, but this is a relatively new thing uh, in, in terms of like societies all being able to read and write. So literacy rates historically have been very low and it was really only the last few hundred years it's picked up. And really uh, the first countries that attempted 
to have 100% literacy in their country did so only in the 1800s. My grandmother didn't know how to read. That's crazy. My maternal grandmother who lived with us and like helped raise me for a, a while in my childhood learned how to read like I want to say in her 40s or 50s. And so when she read anything, she read it very slowly and very haltingly. Like she was clearly not like a natural reader. Like she would read the Bible out loud and it would be like painfully slow because she had just learned how to read. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I just, know. you know, I watched my six year old just reading, you know, you know, like I don't think I was, a, I was reading at that young of age, but it's, it's a, an amazing thing that <laughs> we can read and write. And yeah. As late as 1970, 37% of the world could still not read or write. And today that wow. number is down to 13%. But but yeah, it's uh, we take it kind of for granted today. So are you saying the town crier was the Twitter of the day, Matt? The town crier was, yeah, <laughs> the, literally the news. Like, you know, well, let's just get into the definition here. What the town crier was, the town crier, sometimes called a bellman or historical newscaster, actually, but the town crier was a person employed to make public announcements. And usually it was in a part of town where there was a lot of people out and about and they'd gather around and, you know, these announcements were simply just the news or Maybe it was proclamations or new laws announced to the public. I am only mildly familiar with this job because it does come up in movies, right? Like in, in period <laughs> pieces, especially like medieval times, you'll see this character of the person who likes, you know, is like, hey, yay, hey, yay. And then they stand on a box or something and they <laughs> like maybe they sometimes they unroll a scroll <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like unfurl a long scroll and they'll read something out loud or sometimes they seem to be like a messenger directly from the king who's you know like you know kind of driving from town to town to give the bad news from the king or whatever so i'm only familiar with this job from from you know from the way that it's depicted in movies i guess Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen a town crier in person, but it was at a Renaissance festival. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> when you have been to the Renaissance fair, there is a town crier character there. Yeah, typically somebody does fill that role, you know, and it's I think it is kind of it always goes back to medieval times. Yeah, that's that's kind of I think that's the I think that's the stereotype of the town crier is that it's it's medieval times and it's always like in Europe. And they're they're dressed up in like the frilly blouse and like <laughs> a big hat with a feather in it or something. And they're like, hell yeah, hell yeah. Like that's kind of my impression of the stereotype of a town crier. How accurate is that, would you say? Well, the heyday kind of was in the Middle Ages, but it, it actually went. There were town criers all the way up into the 20th century, believe it or not. But we're going to hear from uh, an expert on the on the town crier, and that is David Mitchell. So let's just have him introduce himself here. So my name's David Mitchell. I'm the town crier of Chester, England, and allegedly the world's most talented, handsome, and humble town crier. <laughs> Very humble. I'm also the author of this fabulous <laughs> book, The Word on the Street, A History of the Town Crier and Bellman, the first time ever that a history of these two historic, essential historic roles has ever been published. It's a fantastic book. It's only been out just over a year, and I've read it 40 times already. <laughs> I like this guy. He is humble. <laughs> Wait, so he is 
currently a town crier? Is that what he said? Yeah, he do- he is a town crier in a town called Chester, England. He is, I believe there are others just like him, but he, I believe, is the main one who, well, this is assuming that things are back to normal, but every Tuesday to Saturday between June and August, they, they're they about with this big pedestrian area in Chester, and they're out there like with proclamations and gathering people around with uh, big announcements. <laughs> and I assume if he's doing this today in 2020 that he it's like a tourism thing or like he's not actually <laughs> giving <laughs> the actual news. Yeah, it's for tourism. But that's cool that he's I love that he's like a town crier and he also literally wrote the book on town crying. I love that. That, that he's read 40 times already. <laughs> He, of course, goes through the whole history of the town crier. And so he actually had an interesting thing about the origin of town criers. Okay, nobody knows the history or the origin of of town criers because before you had printing, before you had microphones, the only way you could reach people in any efficient way, rather than just individually, is to go to the places where they gathered, typically the marketplace, and have somebody with a loud voice and an attention-gaining device, which was usually a bell, but sometimes a drum or a trumpet or a bugle, and address the people having got their attention, address them en masse. That is such a good point, because if the reason why town criers existed was because nobody could read and hence nobody was writing things down, you wouldn't have like a historical reference to town crier because nobody was writing (laughs) things down. Very good point. Yeah, a record of it. But so much, you know, throughout history is just passed down verbally. We all know about the telephone game. You know, you you, uh, have a line of students or whoever and you whisper something into their ear and it goes down the line. And then by the time it gets to the end of the line, it's something completely different than what it was when it started. Well, Mm. that the town crier had to make sure that they got it right. And they they did. They were credible. People believed them and they had, you know, they they were accurate from what I could gather. So do you so does he have any idea how far back? I mean, I know he doesn't have an exact idea because there's nothing written down in the record. But like, you know, were there town criers in like biblical times? But if you wanted to look in the Bible in the Old Testament, you can find in the book of Proverbs an exact, although it doesn't use the word town cry, there is an exact description both in Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 8 of a character called Wisdom standing in the market square, raising her voice to all the passers-by. And also we have records of, there were probably town criers in ancient Greece. There was a town crier with the Spartan runners. And the most common proclamations that they made would be that they were going to war because somebody done <laughs> messed up. So, I actually, in preparation for today's recording, asked my dad if he knew if Korea had town criers back in the day. And he said there wasn't actually like one person whose job it was, but there would like, if there was a proclamation from the king, it would get written down and it would get posted in a public place. Like you said, like a marketplace or like the town square or something. And then people would just kind of stand around and ask each other, like, do you, can you read it? Can you, does anyone know how to read it? And like the one, and like one of like the three people in the town that knew how to read would actually be the ones that I guess took the town crier job essentially. Yeah, after proclaiming the message, the town crier often would attach what they had just read to a doorpost at a local inn or someplace that 
where people walked by a lot. Uh, it was called Posting a Notice. And fun fact, it's the reason why newspapers today are often called The Post. Ah, that yeah. is a fun fact. <laughs> that, I thought the it was post. very fun. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married yeah. at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous <laughs> of your generation yeah. that didn't have to deal with Instagram and that. Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So he also mentioned that they're sometimes called bellmen. Oh, yes. They did ring a bell to get people's attention. I mean, the hear ye, hear ye could only go so far. So you need to have something really loud that they could ring. Although in other places, they, they had different instruments. He mentioned a bugle. Sometimes there were trumpets or drums or even gongs to get people's attention. Really? I would always go with a gong. Gong yeah, makes sense I mean, to me. 
nobody's ignoring a gong. Actually, this is a question that kind of was piqued for my curiosity is like, you know, we trust our family and our friends to give us new information. Why did we really need town criers? I mean, couldn't people just spread word one by one? I'd mentioned the telephone game and all that, but still, you know, how can we know for sure that this town crier wasn't spreading fake news, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, especially in, t- in today's world where there is like rampant fake news. Yeah, how did you know, like, could you bribe a, a town crier to-, to say like something not correct? Or like, how did you know to trust the town crier? Like, did he have well, some sort of legitimate credits or something? When I researched this, I could not find any, of course, documentation of a town crier actually being, uh, you know, charged with bribery. But surely it happened. All right. So what were the credentials that you had to have to have this job? Like, I assume you had to read. But what, what, what were the other things that you needed to, to, ha- to possess to have this job? They had to have a degree in town cryology. Uh, no. I'm kidding. Oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? That was a, oh, sorry, that was really bad. Okay. No, uh, first of all, they did have to be well-spoken and intelligent. That was definitely something that made sense. I mean, and they had to be a centurion. What? I assume you're going to, you want me to ask you, what is a centurion? Centurions were people that had loud voices. <laughs> Wait, centurion literally means someone with a loud voice? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they can really wail. They can they can really shout. So here's David Mitchell uh, to describe more specifically the requirements. The prerequisites for being a town crier would have fluctuated throughout history to a degree, but the primary basic requirement will be somebody with a loud enough voice to reach the crowd in the gathering places. Generally speaking, a town crier would also be able to read because the announcement would often be given to him uh, on a piece of paper. So we'd need to be able to read it out loud. Wow. Yeah, because they didn't have uh, they didn't have PA systems back in the day. Right. Or they didn't they didn't even have those like bullhorn things like the cheerleaders used to use. Those oh, things. yeah. Yeah. Those did not come around till later, too, surprisingly. <laughs> so <laughs> so they must have been. I mean, they must have had a really like be able to like Broadway level diaphragm to be able to reach the the people in the back. Because if they're, you know, if they're talking to like everybody in the town, you better have to re- a really loud voice. So you have to have a loud, booming voice, an air of confidence to command attention for all the people in the town. And you usually had to be able to read because the messages came in in written form. You know, not all of them knew how to read. Wait, what? Yeah. So get this. uh, There were a few town criers that were blind. Yes, there are at least a dozen, maybe more instances historically in Britain of town criers who had the job who were blind. In fact, there was a a town just up in the, uh, the northeast that seemed to have had a policy of appointing blind criers. Now, that might seem like a strange thing to do, but in the days before you had social services and people making provision for people who couldn't undertake ordinary jobs, this scheme seems to be a kindness that they would appoint these people to give them a useful income-earning role in society, which they could carry out with their disability. Wow. Yeah. But also... Didn't you have to be able to read if you're like reading the proclamations from the king and they're coming to you on a, you know, like a little written scroll or something? They were just given verbally and they they just memorized it and they had good memory. 
Wow. So, that is, you know, I've never seen blind town criers in any of the movies or the TV shows that have town criers. You know what I also have never seen, Matt, is a, a woman town crier. Did they exist? They did exist. There are really? accounts of women town criers. Yes. We should probably talk about the Heralds as well. This is a special type of town crier. It'd basically be the town criers who were specifically for the royal courts or the proclamations by the king ah. or queen. There was another system, the national system, whereby if the king or, or queen, but usually the king, wanted to make an announcement to the whole population, he would use a herald. And that was the same basic same technology, somebody going to the main gathering places, again, the market, usually market square, the market cross, but this time it would be a higher status official called a royal herald or sometimes the local sheriff, and he would make basically the same kind of announcement, but it would be something that would applying nationally. Oh, so, so this guy came in from like the king's castle and was like if you guys don't settle down yeah and so they would have to have protection a lot of times the crowd would get a little rowdy and you know especially if it was something where they'd have to pay more taxes or uh oh, yeah be drafted into the, the oh yeah yeah if a guy if a guy rolls into town and he's like guess what your taxes are going up 10 percent," i'd be like what who is this Beat this guy up. Yeah, so there's there's, a, there's an old saying, you know, that old saying, don't shoot the messenger. Yes. That that come that goes back to the town crier. Really? Quite, quite literally, people might, you know, be angry enough at the town crier. <gasps> it's like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. So it kind of goes back to the. Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, that makes sense. To this day, English law still states that they are, quote, not to be hindered or heckled while performing their duties. Apparently that's still oh, in the books. Wow. That's as a stand-up comedian, there is no law protecting us from hindering or heckling. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice though? We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. 
I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. You know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So did they have, like, armed guards? Generally speaking, it was not a dangerous job. But occasionally there have been instances where town crier upset someone. Plus, if he did upset somebody, the town crier is carrying a large metal object with which to defend himself. And at night, on the night shift, the night bellman had a thing called a halberd, which is a six-foot-long pole with an axe blade on the end of it. And he'd also be followed around by a dog who was off a leash and generally trained to be able to attack anybody. What? These... Town criers were packing. Wait, so some of them were carrying a large metal object. Well, I mean, here's the thing. The night bellman also was some, this is really the night watchman. So they were really the ones who went around at night to make sure that everything was safe. They had the authority to make arrests. They were basically law enforcement, kind of the precursor to the modern police. And so, yeah, they they still made announcements while they were doing that job, but it was it was a dangerous job at night. You know, who who right. who knows who could be out when they were out doing that. So, as far as screaming in the middle of the night, you might be wondering <laughs> why are they screaming, making big announcements in the middle of the night? What, yeah. what do you think that's about? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, here's one thing you might hear at say two o'clock in the morning. Two of the clock and all's well. Yeah, that does ring a bell. Like, I feel like... Does that sound familiar? Yeah, Yeah. I feel like I have seen that in a movie somewhere. Two of the clock and all's well. Wait, so they're just saying, like, everything's cool. Yeah. Do you wake up every night at two o'clock? I, I, you know what, honestly, if I heard, if somebody woke me up by saying, hey, it's 2 a.m., everything's cool, I'd be so annoyed. (laughs) I would be so annoyed. (laughs) I'd be like, I didn't need to know that. I was asleep, bro. So people are often interested in why we always begin our proclamations, oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. Well, the first thing to say is that if you've got people walking past you in in the market square, they're not not necessarily knowing that you're about to make an announcement. So you need to get them to tune in. Because if you just start the announcement before they tune in, they're going to miss your first words. 
So you do two things to get their attention. You use your attention-gaining device. <gasps> and you also shout out these three words, oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. Now, oh, yay derives from the fact that we were invaded, as you may know, in 1066 by the Norman French. And their historic word, I don't think it's used quite so much these days, but their word for listen when it was a command was oh, yay. So we, we still use that Norman French word for listen. I was like taken aback that he had like actually the bell. <laughs> like he's legit. You're, the, the expert's actually legit because he's like, your attention getting advice. Ding, 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 ding. I was like, whoa. But no, yeah, he is a town crier. We should probably get into whatever became of town criers because not everybody is like David. You probably already know this. I mean, what would be your uh, assumption as far as the biggest reason why we don't have town criers anymore? Because people learned how to read. Yeah. Also, just the just technology in general with communication. Um, yeah, everything. I mean, I, I assume probably the first of those things would be like newspapers, right? Yeah. Where like the population started reading more and then like printing, like, you know, widespread printing became available. So you could like get a newspaper. And even if you say you didn't know how to read, you could actually get the newspaper and find someone who knew how to read to read it to you. Yeah, the printing press was the game changer. The printing press made it so that you could mass produce printed material. You didn't have to right. write it out by hand. And so, yeah, I think it's time to hear a pro do it. Yeah, we're going to hear David David do a proper town cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From uh, our colonies in America. News has just reached Chester of protests against British taxation. It is even rumoured that the colonists are going to fight for independence. But obviously, it is quite inconceivable that America could ever learn to govern herself. <laughs> A man might as easily imagine that one day he'll fly through the sky. Or walk on the surface of the moon. <laughs> in Boston, we hear that chests of tea have been thrown into the harbour. Let me ask our colonial cousins, will you ever learn how to make a decent cup of tea? <laughs> First, you should have boiled the harbour, then made the tea. Get that right? And you might be ready for self-government. <laughs> but even then, would you follow our perfect model and choose a king? Or would you, in your foolish vanity, prefer to elect a president and thereby think to trump us? Oh. See how that works out for you. On your own heads, be it. God save the king! Wow, that was amazing. They always ended it with God Save the King or God Save the Queen. That was really good because it was funny and it had a lot of personality and it also threw some shade. It threw some shade at oh, us. Oh, man, what a <laughs> show. Okay, so we're going to have a cry off here and I, I'm, I don't think we can, we can top that, but we're going to do our best. Oh, I wish I had a bell. I wish I had a bell. Ooh, oh, sound we'll effects. To... Can we get sound effects in and like put a bell as if I'm ringing a bell? <laughs> clink, 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 clink. Oh, well, I'll just make an edit and post. Okay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. 
I cometh with news from Washington, D.C. A virus has continued to spread. Take heed. Wash thy hands to protect your family. Wear thy masks to end this disease. Stay in your homes. Keep very low key. If we all do this well, then it will be a breeze. God save the queen. All right. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> wow, Matt, I'm super impressed. You're being too kind, but that thank you. That was very impressive. <laughs> all right, is it my turn? Time for the gangster rap. All right, here we go. Again, I wasn't really sure how to do it, so it's not quite. Well, all right, here we, here we go. Hear ye, hear ye, how do you all be? I'm recording Jobsolete with my friend Matt Beat. It's a real <laughs> treat. I hope you think it's neat. If you dig it, please retweet. Because we think it's real sweet. But we're new, so we're still petite. God save the queen. <laughs> Wanted to beatbox so much. <laughs> You should have. You should have beatboxed under me. <laughs> hey, what do you think about our town cry off? If you want to vote for who did the best town cry, or if you want to send us your own town cry, you can tweet us at Jobsolete Pod. Jobsolete is produced for iHeartRadio by Zealot Manufacturing Hand Forge Podcast for you. It's hosted by us, Helen Hong, that's me, and Matt Beat. That's me. The show was conceived and produced by Anthony Savini, Jason Elliott, and Steve Zamarki. Our editor is Tommy Nichol. Our researcher is Amelia Polka. Our production coordinator is Angie Jaimez. And theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. A special thanks to our iHeartRadio team, led by Nikki Etor, Katrina Norvell, Ali Cantor, Mangesh Hadi Kador, Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, and Bob Pittman. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.